before this episode of your favorite 1517 podcast begins. Please take a moment to listen to this trailer for 1517's newest academy on Faith and Reason featuring Dr. Adam Francisco. You can sign up for this academy after listening to the trailer by following the link in your show notes below. Enjoy. What role does philosophy play in theology? What can we know about God by looking at nature? Where does reason end and faith begin? And do science and religion necessarily conflict? These are just some of the questions posed by Christian thinkers across the ages. This course covers both the way these and many other questions have been debated across the centuries and how we might apply the wisdom of the past to the questions of our own day. The assumption is that Christians are irrational, that Christianity is something akin to a cleverly devised myth and even an enemy of science. Examples supporting these stereotypes and caricatures can certainly be found. That's not the complete picture, though. It's not even close. It's quite the contrary, for Christianity has long expressed itself in ways that are reasonable and even philosophically sophisticated. It has long defended itself by appeals to evidence, and certainly has a long history of interacting with science. In fact, modern science finds its roots in the Christian tradition. So what does reason have to do with faith? Philosophy with theology? Religion with science? The answer is a whole lot. This course introduces you to just some of these issues as it explores the contours of some of the most basic topics of Christian theology, the issues of faith and reason. fly a podcast about living freely in a world given back to us we are part of the 1517 podcast network you should go to 1517.org they have lots of things there, like 1617 almost 20 podcasts of which we are one books written by yours truly but also wade johnston uh blog devotions by jason oakland wade johnston and sometimes me it's a good resource about the gospel given to people that have been hurt by the church or maybe have never heard the gospel in its purity before. So I would re- highly recommend going to 1517.org. I got it right. We are in Mankato, Minnesota for the Lutheran College Conference, or like we like to call it, the Three College Conference. Uh, Wisconsin Lutheran College, where Wade and Jason and I teach, have two sister institutions, Bethany Lutheran and ELS College in Mankato, Minnesota, and then Martin Luther College down the road in New Ulm, Minnesota, and we're here with a couple guests. Jason's here. I'm here. Wade is here, but he is being DJ today. He is only on the the soundboard. Now, he has promised me that he would be... He has promised me that he will will be fine not speaking, but I'm pretty sure there's going to be a lot of those kinds yeah. of things in this episode because Wade can't control himself. He he finds a way to make his presence known. That's right. <laughs> and we have two guests here from Martin Luther College. We have Nick Schmoller, Greek professor 
at Martin Great. Luther College. Thanks for having me. David Scharf, theology professor at Martin Luther College. So uh, why don't we uh, introduce those two or have them introduce themselves and then we'll get to the main topic, which since we're at this Lutheran College conference will be, what's a Lutheran College? Is there a difference between a Lutheran College and a regular liberal arts college or a state college? And maybe if we get around to it, what's one thing that we would change in higher education just uh, on a grand grand scale? Nick, tell me about yourself. What do you teach there? What's your family? Where are you from? Yeah. Uh, thanks for having me on the podcast. Uh, so yeah, Nick Schmaller, and I teach Greek and theology. And uh, I teach first year, second year elective uh, Greek courses, all in the classical Greek uh, realm. And then for theology, I teach a course called Symbolics, which is uh, the start of the Book of Concord for our pre-seminary students, where we look at the three ecumenical creeds and the small called articles. Uh, married and have three kids. Uh, my oldest is 13, uh, then middle child is 10 and 8. Um, my wife uh, was my high school classmate, college classmate, and uh, she down does graphic design. I also coach the men's soccer team uh, at MLC, just have been doing that for a year, going into the second year. Uh, for that here. So, yeah, and uh, have always kind of enjoyed um, listening to your podcast, but the, um, yeah, got me into education was, yeah, love of um, working with college-age students, and so this topic is a good one, too. Good. David. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Um, my name is Dave Scharf. I uh, have a wife and six kids, uh, ranging from junior in college, down to fifth grade. Um, my wife, her brother, taught at Martin Luther College while we had class with him, and you guys didn't make that awkward for me at all. Thank you. Um, I teach uh, theology courses, so I, I teach uh, Bible history and literature one, um, doctrine one, doctrine two, and world religions, and same thing, just love uh, for teaching in the classroom, and so I've been very blessed to be at MLC. Awesome. All right, Wade, we're going to go to the main topic. So we're to our main topic, which is, what is a Lutheran college? Wade's mad at me because I messed that up. But, <laughs> but he can't say anything, so whatever, <clears throat> yeah. Uh, what is a Lutheran college? And uh, maybe something that we would, we would change in higher education. So the Lutheran Reformation can be described in, in a bunch of different ways. The primary thing is that we are saved by grace alone through faith on account of what Christ did for us, as opposed to maybe a medieval idea that you do what is in you and then God would not deny you grace. Um, in that way, it's a theological reformation as opposed to the Catholic reformation at the same time, which it could be described as a moral reformation, uh, a more radical reformation. Sometimes we can maybe say reformed reformation would be more political in a certain sense. And so there's, there's a definite thing about the Lutheran Reformation that is unique for that time. You could also describe the Lutheran Reformation as a university reformation. It started in the university. And Lutheranism and its history have been, has been about education. Uh, Martin Luther famously was uh, a proponent of educating everybody, 
including little, including girls, right? And he was one of the, the first people. Uh, there's a lot that education owes to the Lutheran Reformation. And so from the beginning all the way up to, you can think of Luther's catechism and his importance on catechesis. Um, but, but also this was an intellectual university reformation. And Lutherans, um, the Jesuits, of course, have universities everywhere that, are, that have high standards. But um, Lutherans have been pretty good about starting schools wherever they have gone and become, I think, an intellectual anchor in the church at large even if maybe uh, Lutheranism doesn't get a credit for that, um, we can think of, if, if you talk to Reformed Arminian-leaning Christians, they, knew, they know who Martin Luther is and can quote him. And you can and think of Roman Catholic experts in, in Luther studies as well. And so we may not be the biggest denomination, but there, there's something unique about that. And so we have three... I Go think, uh, just to add to that, I think, um, number one, anchor in a good way, right? That That... You know, not like dragging things down, but but as rooting rooting people in one spot and and in a good way, right? Giving roots that way, and then I think the other thing that, um, you know, that speaks to the the Lutheran influence um, with some of this stuff that you're talking about with the um, reform of the universities and stuff. I mean, when um, Melanchthon is given the title the Praecaptor Germaniae, right? The the teacher of Germany. Well, that's in large part because of the reformation or the the reformation in the universities, right? Reforming the the curriculum and and in a bunch of different areas, not just we need to get we need to shift from Catholicism to Lutheranism. That's that's a big part of that. And the University of Wittenberg was, I mean, they were doing what we call today science, and and yeah. uh, you know, uh, our colleague Carrie Carrie Keene is very interested in what was going on. Um, in the University of Wittenberg, outside of theology, right, and there we forget that you know there was there was other departments and other classes that were being taught that way, and and I think that's not always understood among our people. We kind of have a thing where it's like, well, Lutheranism is just kind of simple and for the people, and away from it's a very American way of thinking about Lutheranism, away from all kind of the highfalutin fanciness of the not just the Roman Catholic Church that institution but the institutions of like the monarchy and and the universities and and our history of American Lutheranism uh, was very concerned with uh, turns in universities in Europe like we, we had our finger on the pulse of that thing of, of that movement but <clears throat> that art and that music and all of these things that they took seriously were for the spreading of the gospel, and they knew that the, the, the art of the Reformation was a brand for the proclamation of, of this message. And you can think of, of course, music was put into the, back into the pews, back into the, the voices of the people. So um, it's not, I don't mean university refer, a university reformation that it was um, not reachable for the common people. Not, not at all, I don't mean that at all. But there was, I, I think there was definitely, we have to think these things through academically as well as theologically and practically. So the question that I'm posing to you guys, and I'm going to ask Jason to go first since, sure. since these other guys are rookies. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Appreciate that. Podcast, Appreciate right? um, is if I said, what is a Lutheran university? Um, and all of our colleges are technically universities, even though we have the, the, the label college. There's colleges within the university, mm-hmm. think universal. If I asked you the question, what would be a Lutheran university, what would be the first thing that popped into your mind, Jason? Yeah, I would say that 
I think the idea of confessional identity, right? Or um, and and the way that we talk about it, uh, I think you know there there are other schools that and and a lot of them around um, Minnesota. You have small religiously affiliated schools that have um, ties back to Lutheranism, but are not necessarily really at all Lutheran in their character any longer, right? Uh, but the fact that we say we're uh, a Lutheran college or a Lutheran university means that we have a confessional identity, right? That, that, that we're serious about um, holding to uh, those things that Lutheran reformers were um, about. And it's always a battle to, to for any religious school, as you grow, as you look for money and look for students and sometimes just try to survive, mm-hmm. um, that, that, that identity is very difficult, right? Almost all of the Ivy schools started, started out with as church schools and have largely lost their connection to those, to those because of funding mostly. And so that is a battle within Lutheranism as well. Um, Nick. Yeah, I, I would uh, you know, echo what Jason had said. I mean, it really does come to embracing our identity makes it a, a Lutheran college or university. But um, then I think another aspect of that is, you know, theology is a practical thing, like a habitus practicus. And so um, looking for ways to, you know, shape worldview and to build relationships among the students and also with a, kind of a mentoring faculty um, to look to have these kind of opportunities to put theology into practice. Like when, when I, uh, prior to being at MLC, I got to do some campus ministry at uh, Purdue University. And some of my favorite um, times throughout the week were uh, those studies where, um, you know, I would come with something prepared and rarely would we talk about those particular things because there was something practical that was in the life of the student um, in their relationship with other students or in a classroom setting uh, that challenged their worldview. Um, where here we can engage in those sorts of discussions um, in a way that is... Um, controlled and directed uh, to, to encounter them with what the, the world is going to have as their own worldview and our, our Lutheran, you know, worldview too. And then uh, I think uh, it'd be interesting to hear yeah, more of what you guys say, um, just not having that connection to Wisconsin Lutheran College, but um, something that is at, at MLC, Martin Luther College, that is uh, a joy is that there is a singular purpose of the school where, you know, the, the students in general, to a large degree, um, are, uh, you know, de- they're great students. They're dedicated to um, the task of pursuing public ministry and yeah, so have Martin, a desire. Just let me, for our listeners, Martin Luther College is very unique in the sense that it is. <laughs> it's, very, it's very unique because <laughs> it has a single purpose to train church workers, pastors, right. and teachers where uh, uh, most colleges, including... Bethany and Wisconsin Lutheran College are more of a liberal arts college. So, um, you know, we have a nursing program. MLC doesn't have a nursing program. So go ahead. Yeah. So with these students that have a desire and whether they fulfill that desire, you know, or not, they have a desire towards public ministry. And uh, so they have a love of theology, um, you know, which we get a a chance to teach here too. And and, uh, again, in Indiana, we had a men's group that was a fun thing because, there were other guys that were, you know, similar ilk and age that longed to look into theology and to, to study the scriptures. And, and that's kind of one of the things that is kind of the most rewarding as a professor 
is to be able to engage in kind of what you'd said, not just surface level discussions about what God has shared about himself in scripture, but uh, to really uh, mind the depths of God's word that you know has no end for that too. And so that's a, a blessing. And not to get ahead of myself here, like what I would change with, with um, higher education, this is not something you can change, but that people seek knowledge instead of just a degree. Yeah, it's something right. kind of right. it's kind of different. Yeah, David. Yeah. So um, I, again, it's going to be in line with the, what the other two said. I I got to I got to it was a privilege to work on the vision statement committee. We just put out a new vision statement, and there are four pillars. And I first feel like that's a lie. That it was a <laughs> privilege to make a statement ever. <laughs> Good to do. Yeah. It, it was good to do. Good, good to be done. Uh, but no, it was it was a wonderful process. The first pillar uh, basically says that we're going to pursue excellence under the cross and um, be unapologetically Lutheran. Uh, obviously, in our world, um, you've got you've got things that conflict with Scripture, and and we're not going to be ashamed to stand with what God says in His Word. Um, and I think something that goes into that is uh, again the unique purpose of. Martin Luther College, you're going to play the music again. Um, the uni- unique purpose of it, that you're, you're training pastors, teachers, and staff ministers. Um, one of the reasons that I, I took the call was uh, to hopefully make an impact on, on uh, training a ministry mindset and, and what it means to be a Lutheran minister, what it means to be a Lutheran pastor or a teacher. So um, definitely that, that makes it unique from every other place. Yeah, there's a couple of things I like to, like to talk about. One is you both kind of alluded to, but didn't use the word as formation, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, that, that's a word I think we need to think more about, that you're forming people, right? And we're always being formed by all sorts of things, right? Uh, media, our families, politics, what we read, um, the music we listen to, and we can very often be malformed, right? In fact, very often we are malformed. And so it's not about head knowledge as much as it is for, forming forming these 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 uh, young men and women. The other thing is just that the whole aspect of a, of a liberal arts education fits well with I think Christian theology, and it's it's not an accident that liberal arts largely grew up in 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 a in a con- in countries and and areas where there was where there was strong. Christian roots, right? And uh, there are some even Western countries that that see higher education um, not as forming somebody to be a thinker and a citizen, but rather to to gain a skill, what we would call kind of vocational, right? We think of it as more of a vocation in a different sense, in the Lutheran sense, that we're sending you out to be called to something, um, whether it be you know a lawyer or a doctor or whatever. Um, and I think that the reason why liberal arts fits well with Christian theology is that we're not anti this world, mm-hmm. right? We're anti a broken, sinful world, but we, uh, we try not to be of the world, but we are in the world and called to work in this world. And uh, we talk about it all the time on the podcast that we're not anti-body, like so many of the ancient religions, even the ancient philosophies, right? And so not only do we... we think it's okay to uh, learn about music and art and history and philosophy, um, but we welcome that, right? And these are God's good gifts that we want to explore, right? Even when we talk about modern science, uh, the, 
the, the, the faulty idea that modern science was antithetical to Christianity historically is just false. It came out of a Christian ethos very, very, very often because for a couple of reasons. One is, well, if you have a distinct creator and a distinct creation, you're allowed to explore the creation. You're allowed to dissect the cow and you're not thinking that you're messing with God, right? But also that these were, there was an orderer and so you expect to find order and patterns, and you expect to find God's goodness in this, right? And so exploring those things. So I think that that incarnational theology and even a sacramental theology that, that was at the heart of the Lutheran Reformation fit very well in a liberal arts education, that, that we are both mind and, and, and soul, or both mind and body, and so we didn't have this false, or at least historically, this false idea where you have, okay, here's some people that are going to go into the trades. They really don't need to use their brains. And then you have people who are going to have the, um, the means to explore things just for their fun without any connection to, to, the, to the real world. So I think there's something there, right? And, and there's an honor. As, as much as Lutheranism was very good about saying original sin and total depravity and were born enemies of God, that there was still an honoring of humanity created in the image of God, lost perfectly in Christ, but restored. It's almost like the world's been given back to us mm-hmm. to enjoy, right? And so I, I don't think that, I think that needs to be said more. That's and a solid, you could almost build a podcaster. Yeah, that. and <laughs> instead of this idea, which I think is, is be, because of the reality of, the economics of higher education, which is how can I get a student in here to get a degree so that they can get a better paying job? That's so, that's such a recipe for a very pathetic, sad life, right? You're not thoughtful. It's not, and this is not, again, this is not something that's just Christian, right? You can think of Socrates saying that the the unexamined life is not worth living, right? This is something that, and, and we don't, we don't say Socrates was wrong because he was pagan, right? So many Christians are, would say something like that. Um, and so historically, Lutherans were like, yeah, we're going to study philosophy, not so much anymore. But I think that's, that's, that's really important. And maybe what I'm after is our institutions, I think, we're not, we're not Milwaukee Bible College. Mm-hmm. We're not Bethany Bible College. And, and I don't want to, to disparage those, those, those groups and a lot of them have pulled themselves out of that almost anti-intellectual way but, uh, or manner. But I think it's really important that a Lutheran, a Lutheran place of higher education is not afraid of the world and we're not afraid of learning. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. We're not afraid of learning uh, something and, and we trust that God's going to, going to protect us. Right? Even though we may... We may read some philosophy once in a while or scary thought or, or maybe, you know, delve into uh, biology and stuff like that. So who wants to go next? It is. I, I'll, I'll build off that. Just uh, saying just while I agree with everything you say, it is difficult to even um, convince the students that that's the case, you know? Oh yeah. And uh, we're regularly, and I work primarily with students that are in the pre-seminary program looking to, to be pastors, but regularly having conversations about um, how it can be valuable to take science courses and, and history courses and English literature courses. And uh, 
it's funny you brought up Socrates. One of the things I was going to talk about is one of the electives I teach is a, a, a survey of Plato's writings. And there's one, I think it's Protagoras, where uh, Socrates brings up this very thing of somebody who's wanting to go and, and talk to that maybe this is terms you guys don't want to know, but or, and probably already know, but maybe your listeners don't want to know. But uh, a student wanting to go and, and learn from a sophist, and, and he's saying, what's the, what's the purpose, right? Uh, if, you'd go, if you want to be a doctor, you'd go to a doctor. If you want to be a sculptor, you go to a sculptor. What's the goal of going to this person who's just supposed to be a teacher? And uh, really his argument, even as it uh, comes around, along, is that you know, learning for the sake of learning uh, is a value, even if there is no practical uh, immediate practical experience because um, everything is doing to shape your uh, is working together to shape your worldview and uh, one of the big buzzwords in you know higher academics is you know critical thinking you know and uh, can be you know taken lots of different ways but I, I think that is to a, a goal still of a, a Lutheran college is is to to get people to think about important issues in a in a critical way and not just accept what the world says. Um, but use it in light of scripture. Yeah, I think I'm I'm get frustrated a little bit by the people of the humanities like making the case for the liberal arts, and it's usually twofold. One is, well, you'll make more money. Well, maybe, and that's kind of not the point. Right. And the second one is what you said, critical thinking, but it's very, it's very rarely kind of explained. Yeah. And I think using the word formation more. Mm-hmm. Um, helps that because critical thinking sort of sounds to the outside world like, oh, you can you can solve problems in right. the in the in the boardroom, yeah, you know, <laughs> like, well, we don't have a class on that, you know, right? Yeah. Um, but it is to be well rounded and to understand the world, understand the people you're working with, understand the problems from from different angle. I mean, it mm-hmm. needs to be explained more, and right. it is very to and to hard. intentionally think about how you're thinking about something right i mean to to examine even to examine that process to say this is an intentional thing that i'm going to think about this in a way to examine not only what i'm thinking about but how i'm thinking about it yeah how i got there and and this is i think the benefit of logic the problem with many logic courses is like you just get tied down with formulas and and the names and then most people are like i can't you know, it, it's right. like taking chemistry class and not actually knowing what's the ramifications of this. You just memorize the formulas, and mm-hmm. you get and you get a C, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And you go, "That was dumb." You know, mm-hmm. that's how I took logic. I'm <laughs> but but uh, and shame on me, right? Shame on me. And I think that's. I mean, I think we would all regret. Like, I wish I would have been a better student. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? yeah, yeah. We all have those courses. I, I was going to say. I think just touching on the formation thing. Um, which, you know, I think you guys are, you know, from MLC have a little bit of a different, uh, you know, task with that because not only are you, I mean, you're, you're focusing on formation of those who also are going to be people who teach and preach in a way to form others. And, and, you know, I think not only are you modeling that or teaching that, but, you know, you're hoping that your students will then go on to do that. Right. And which is a little bit different from where we're coming from, but I I don't know if I'd be curious to hear your take on. Yeah. I think Dave should talk about it because he probably won't say it about himself, but, uh, but like this is, I think one of his greatest strengths is the, the way that he can impact the the students in his classes and and just what they notice about him and his uh, demeanor and approachability. And uh, um, so I, 
want to say that you've before. never said so many nice things. <laughs> so well, yeah, uh, before he talks about the topic, just to, to say that that he's been a blessing to the the school for that for sure. Mm. Well, thanks, Nick. Yeah, I think I think a big part of what we're doing at um, MLC is trying to model ministry mindset, model um, a learner mindset. Uh, that that whole idea of learning for the sake of learning. Um, I maybe shoot myself in the foot with this, but in a in a desire to have them be lifelong readers, um, I I have an assignment which it probably kills it a little bit. Um, but I do let them read almost anything, you know, almost anything theological that they want, um, and it's it's just an exercise in I make them evaluate whatever they read, um, taking every thought, making a captive to Christ, you know, not just in theology which I teach theology, but I would do that in other courses as well, right? Because um, I think that's a, an incredibly valuable life skill for formation, like, like we were talking about before. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and that if we're thinking about what is something we could change in academia, coming from a pr- perspective of a pastor, is, man, I wish we didn't have to grade things, you know, or have to have, like, uh, assignments, yeah, you know, yeah. like, to um, do that. Because, you know, if we could just... Um, create passion by showing our passion about, you know, what particular subjects, whether it's Greek or theology or whatever else, you know, that it is there and just looking for growth and learning, like, like David just uh, talked about, I think that would be like an ideal setting. Like let's go to university. So that kind of everything that you had just said before, Mike, you know, just so that we can uh, learn and think. You know, yeah. I mean, the, the liberal arts, the opposite of that is the servile arts which aren't bad. In fact, servile arts can mean like law and medicine, but, but this is for a specific, cert, like a, what we would say vocational, though expanded to like business and, and law and medicine. If you are, you know, and if you're in that liberal arts, that means you were free. Mm-hmm. You, were, you had the time and the money. You were of the status so that you actually could learn because that was something that not everybody had. And so in America where we, we have insisted, well, I think one of the greatest things of, of America is uh, the insistence that everybody get educated and, and get educated in a liberal arts way. You're going to read and you're going to write and you're going to learn history and, and art and music if, if there's funds, right? And the, the drawback of that is then it becomes law mm-hmm. because you have to insist everybody goes to school because there'd be plenty of families who'd be like, I don't know, I'm not going to do that, you know? And so then it becomes law and then it becomes grading. Then it becomes graduating, right. you know, gradually going here and you suck the love out of, out of everything. And then our students have a lot of pressure, right? You know, because money is tied to grades sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I tell them and none of them listen, but I tell them like, I don't care about your grades and neither should you. And if, if, if you stop caring about your grades and just concentrate on the learning, you're probably going to get better grades in the end anyway. Mm -hmm. But like, I try to be less about that law, right? Like I, I I really don't care about the outcome to be honest with you. Right. (laughs) I mean, I want you to, I want to form you. I want to form you. And, but you're stuck in, you're stuck in the law. Right, and so that's that's that that's that that's the hard thing of being being a being an educator, which was something so much different than being a pastor, right? Yeah. And to to meld the two is very difficult. So tell me, do you have outcomes on your syllabus? Uh, only because I have to. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really, only because I have to. Yeah, right. Um, and 
there's there's restrictions when it comes to that too when you have assessment tools and all that kind of stuff and and uh, well, I have to have this assignment so that I can prove that I had done right. this. And I'm like, right. this is not student driven anymore. It's right. not content driven. Right. It's driven by the institution, and mm-hmm. and and it's it's a necessary evil. How do you mitigate that? Well, I think what you said, passion. Right. Right. And uh, I mean, all these things can be used for good as well as evil, right? But like uh, outcomes can give you a good directional focus. You know, I think have helped me as not being a trained teacher, getting into academia to say you know, let me just take a big step back. And when I think about the small cult articles, what are the things that I actually want my students to mm-hmm. engage with? And that was a, a helpful exercise for me. But I will also echo actually writing them in a way that is, uh, you know, academia acceptable, yeah. that, that really becomes a challenge for me. And that kind of, uh, like what you were talking about, Mike, and you, Nick, but going off of something you were saying, that as far as something I would change about higher learning or, or a desire to change anyway, uh, would be, well, I suppose it, if speaking in general, just uh, creating a love of learning earlier on. Yeah. Um, I think your experience in college is probably similar to mine. I really, I really started diving in really in seminary, mm-hmm. right? Um, and just realized, oh man, this is actually a lot of fun, you know. Unless there was sake. a professor and a and a topic that you liked, mm-hmm. absolutely. You, know? yeah. you bet, you bet. Yeah, no, it's not like I yeah. mailed it in in college, but I mean, I, I really started yeah. to really love it. Um, late in college and, and into seminary, and if we can instill that uh, in students, um, specifically for theology, um, I try to, as much as possible, make my um, quote-unquote homework, um, I know it's an academic thing, I have to give grades, but uh, try to have them treat it more devotionally than, um, than as schoolwork, you know? And um, so yeah, that, that, that would be one thing that I would love to somehow change. Mm-hmm. Can we create that love of learning early on and then yeah, the grades are gonna take care of themselves? It was something I remember at seminary, too. Um, I, th- I think it was Professor Brug um, at uh, one point, you know, started saying, uh, you know, we probably were middlers or, or maybe it was seniors, but like to, to say, uh, you know, the church has invested um, so much in you guys already uh, as supporting your education, um, you know, through whatever sort of synodly sponsored schools we had gone to. And... Uh, and saying now it's it's time for you to think about how you know you can give back to the church you know and that I think was the moment for me where I thought you know finally stop thinking about myself and what's the easiest path uh, towards graduation but what are the things that you know God has uniquely gifted me and my classmates to say these are areas where I can learn more and learn how to share that with others you know um, and was a helpful thing I I've uh, always enjoyed that quote from. Uh, Goodwill Hunting, where Matt Damon is, you know, talking about, you know, you can get this uh, same education as these Ivy League schools, you know, for $3.50 in late fees from the library, you know, and that was another helpful thing for me, too, is like, uh, you know, whether I, I pursue another degree or, or anything like that, right, it, you only are going to grow as much as you personally want to learn, you so know, and so that love of learning is a good thing. The quote wasn't, how do you like them apples? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not familiar with that part of the movie. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, maybe I'm going to push back a little bit on that. Not that you were taking that quote in, in a little, in, in a little different way. Uh, but, but a, th- a thought first, like I'll push back. Yeah. You're push back. I'll, push, I'll push back on you. Um, battle Royale. Do we, we don't have a Bethany person here anyway. Um, that idea of 
maybe even becoming an expert on something that nobody else has been an expert on, perhaps in your in your church community, right? Mm-hmm. So we need somebody to take the the baton of, of Greek, right. right, or something like that. Um, that that's how higher education is set up, right? If you're going to go get a PhD, you need to break new ground, mm-hmm. which has some problems t- to it because mm-hmm. you can come up with all sorts of you come up with a the weird idea just because it's different, and right. then and then you you grab onto it, right? Um, like your idol, or you're looking at Reformation where there's there's somebody doing a lot of stuff in the background. Did you did you hear that? I, I couldn't quite tell what. Oh. <laughs> but there's so you know sometimes yeah. it's like you're going in an area and man there's a lot that's been done already so but, but that's something i think um and this is not just people who have been called to to academia but church pastors regular church pastor like can you make an can you make yourself an expert on something and be a gift to the church that's being a good churchman yeah. right i think that's that's again fits with that that love of knowledge and learning um that came out of a liberal arts and and, mm-hmm. and being tied to the church, right? Instead of just being all oh, shucks, we're just this simple whatever nonsense, right? We have something to say and something to offer uh, to, to the world. Um, well, and were you? Oh, or, I was going to say. Note that's exactly the lesson that we'll learn. Well, yeah, I was wondering where the pushback yeah. was coming uh, from. I, I'm still waiting. Well, for I'm go- you're actually agreeing. Yeah, well, <laughs> I know. That's why I said not that he meant it that way, but it, at at first, I want to push back on that comment at that time. Notice, you, notice this is Wade making his presence felt. <laughs> he doesn't have a microphone. He's still going yeah, right, to talk. Right, that's right. That's go right. ahead, um, Dave. No, go I ahead, was going to ask Sharp. you that, that very point where you said, um, what can I become an expert in to be a gift to the church? Were you thinking that way when you were doing your doctoral work? And if so, yeah, in what way yeah, were you thinking yeah. so, you could use this? To be honest, I was since I was at an evangelical school and we were doing kind of worldview kind of slash apologetics slash philosophy. What can I do that wouldn't get me in trouble and that would be the <laughs> path of least resistance? But it was vocation and, and then and then the idea of shalom or eudaimonia. Mm. And so, but I also thought, is there a space for this? And there was, mm-hmm. because you really only had one popular author in the last 50 years that I was talking about. It was Gene Beeth, yeah. right? And then before that, you have Gustav Vingren and Einar Billing, but both Swedes translated dissertations that were translated, they weren't accessible, right? And so there was a space there for that. And apologetics, too, was something that maybe the Lutheran Church wasn't wasn't always... Yeah, so we, we have a checkered past with spe- Swedes on the podcast. That's right, so, that's right. Yeah. Um, U.S. US uh, Women's World Cup, too. I think that's right. Right. <laughs> right, Sweden, right. right now. This does come from Wade, who couldn't help himself, so he telegrammed, messaged me. A very good thought um, that the liberal arts uh, is also about teaching students um, to stand under things, but also to stand, like, do I stand over, we talk about that standing over scripture or standing under scripture, pulling stuff out of scripture or putting stuff into scripture. And it made me think about how humbling the liberal arts education should be for people that you realize the more you know, the more you know you don't know. Mm-hmm. And that can be exciting. Um, but, you know, I, I, I said that, I said this in Bible class, actually, on Sunday to, to some of the, there was quite a few teens there. Like, if you think you're so smart at 18, 19, 20, and then you know everything, that means you've peaked <laughs> at 20. <laughs> that's a problem, right? Um, that, that's a huge problem, right? There's a, there's a humbling thing to that. And, and 
and and with the, the quote from Goodwill Hunting about, well, I can just read this or watch videos or whatever. The reason, the main reason I went to continuing education was I needed a teacher. I couldn't read myself into That's it. Absolutely, I needed right. a teacher to 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 speak to me. What's right? valuable? What are form, formative it's works? A, yeah, it's an extra nose kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It's a curved outward kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a Socratic um, thing too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's something outside sure. of me has to come to me. You, we, we talk about all the time, you need a preacher, you need a teacher. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Or, or like if, if uh, the, there's the famous phrase, everybody needs a rabbi, right? mm-hmm. which is and, more and some more of that, counseling. But yeah. You might, you might be able to do that, but it requires a huge amount of discipline right. and time. Right. And, you know. Where do you of, start in the right, library? Exactly. Yeah. Some of those things, I mean, just the, the, in, the intellect and the background in some of it, it's... Yeah, unless you have someone to kind of point you, you're going to spend a lot of time doing it. Are you familiar with the story of why Socrates did come to the conclusion that he was the wisest man? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it's exactly what you had said before, right? Uh, he goes to the oracle. The oracle says, uh, you're the wisest man that's ever lived. And he says, I know so, there are so many things I don't know. Can't possibly be true, right? And so he would go and he would talk to this sculptor. It's something that well beyond his capabilities, right? And he would ask him all these things about sculpting, and then the sculptor would tell him all he knew about farming and saying, "Because I know so much about sculpting, I also know this." And the farmers are doing it all wrong, right? Or in the farmer and the tanner, and and he realized that the uh, what actually did make him the wisest person of all people is because he realized the things he didn't know. And people who are experts in something think they're experts in everything. Yeah, I. Not to be about this Bible class that I had Sunday, but uh, another point I made kind of similar was uh, we, we like to talk a lot about as the parish being the, the greatest tutor, the greatest mm-hmm. theological tutor we ever had. And pastors can come out of the seminary and think they know everything because they have this head knowledge. And they do know stuff, but what they don't know is people. Mm-hmm. They don't know people and they don't know how to connect that abstract thing to the reality of a thing and why it's so very, one of the best things about our um, synod, Wade, our best worker training synod, worker training system in the world. Waiting. Well, that really could have one been of, done yeah, better. One of the best, <laughs> I'm just going to say. <laughs> one of the best things about our system, which is the best worker training system in the history of, of mankind, <laughs> Is that almost ex- almost every time if we would call somebody to be uh, a, like a high school teacher, a college teacher, or a seminary professor, that they would have about seven, eight, nine, ten, right. twelve, fifteen yep. years in the parish first, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I think that's the connection between real life and 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 uh, and these abstract academia. And so I'm getting, I'm getting real close to Jason too, but I just want to throw this in. I'm talking to him as a headphone mic. He could not help himself. Well, I'm, <laughs> I'm particularly curious um, to get the MLC thoughts on this because um, another what, what I mean partly too by standing over is as Dave got at with with reading widely to be able to be a, a critical reader or thinker. Um, we live in a, a day and age where we we can't be as parochial as maybe we could be in the past. These, these uh, young men who are going to become pastors are going to go out, and I think, Dave, you mentioned you're teaching world religions, mm-hmm. right? Um, when If they're reading, you know, something from the Quran or the Gita, you're trusting them to be able to read it and then not, like, next week be like, you know, I'm really questioning my Christian faith. 
Um, and, and so to be able to discern, too, where I, as you guys are hitting on, stand under, but where I also need to be confident enough in my faith and equipped to stand over things um, to be able to discerning but be familiar with um, opposing viewpoints. I feel super uncomfortable right now, but go ahead. <laughs> he was very close to it. Yeah, very. Is it, is it going to be annoying if I talk about Socrates once more? No. Yeah, you sound no, annoyed. Nick. You sound annoyed. No, you should. <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, just one, one other. I mean, it's, it's just funny how and that you had brought him up before I even did, Mike, because uh, so many things are really tied to liberal arts in, uh, in the classics. But um, where he talks about how uh, it's actually more dangerous uh, to, to learn under a teacher uh, than it is to buy strange. We're from the future. But how it's more dangerous to buy something from um, uh, a teacher or to learn something from a teacher than to buy some strange food from the market because you can at least bring the food home in a vessel, examine it, see if it's safe or things like that. But when you learn something from a teacher, it's immediately internalized. You know, And so he says the only one that should ever go and learn something from uh, a teacher that you don't trust or you don't know uh, is somebody who can be, he calls it a doctor of souls, you know, which is a different term than what we use for souls, but somebody who um, knows about the um, spiritual things like or, or, or knowledge, you know. And so how do we teach people to be ones that stand over um, what all the world uh, writes and knows? It's like, well, you know, especially if you're thinking about in a pastoral setting, uh, your members often are longing for spiritual nourishment and whether you know, if you can be the one to provide it for them, what a blessing, right? Uh, but that takes a lot of work with if you're going to write daily devotions or, um, you know, have regular outside of Sunday morning Bible studies, you know, other Bible studies. And so they often are going to look out into the world um, to find some spiritual nourishment. And so either you have to be really well, well read in everything that is out there, or you have to be a, a great producer of uh, things that can spiritually, you know, feed your, your people, or you have to teach them to know, um, you know, what's harmful and what's truth, you know? And, uh, yeah. So how do you, how do you do it? I mean, like it's a, it is a long process. Um, you know, I remember the first time that I, I taught at MLC coming right out of the parish and, uh, I gave the students an article, um, that I, I hoped they would read with discernment without saying, uh, you know, like there are some things you're not going to disagree or that you're, you're going to disagree with here. And, uh, many of them said, that they liked and appreciated these things that, <laughs> you know, uh, were not spiritually orthodox, you know. Uh, and uh, so that is like, uh, I'm glad you bring it up. It's a challenge. And I think part of what our best synod worker training system does is that... Uh, best it, in the world? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is that it uh, It does stretch out the process, right? I mean, like... Uh, <laughs> is that uh, Is that, you know, we have seven, eight years, um, you know, of study, you know, to, to be able to be discerning. Yeah, and that, I was going to um, make that point, too, that finally that's part of the formation that we want um, is honing that critical thinking skill. I think of, uh, like, my BHL1 students when I present them with yeah. uh, something that they have to think critically on, uh, it's not as good as when <laughs> I get the seniors, you know, um, doing that same thing. And so, uh, so much of, like, the doctrine courses necessarily need to be like comparative denominational theology right so um you, you get to put real things in front of them and they get to line it up with god's word and they they do get better and better at that um same with world religions obviously that 
comparative religions. So, um, yeah, I think that's a skill that it's a huge strength of our training system. Four years for the teachers, eight years for the mm-hmm. for the past track. Huh. It, it almost happens so naturally too that you you forget it's happened to you mm-hmm. because yeah. it's not like I was a better student than the students that are in my classroom now. Um, and so when I being outside academia, you know, put this article in front of them and was like, well, we've always read discerningly, um, mm-hmm. you know, and that I was not the case, you know, as I can think back, you know, and so it is something that just is what we've talked about, continual growth, continual learning to make it a lifelong practice. Just kind of um, following up on some of that, you know, like talking about the formation side of it, talking about modeling lifelong learning, but, you know, how much do you, does that that knowledge of the knowledge of the scriptures serve as a bit of a, a cheat code of sorts to kind of say, you know, how, how I stand, when I stand over, when I don't, and then allowing, you know, some of that modeling of lifelong learning and formation type of things, you know, in all of those other things. I, I'm just kind of curious what your thoughts might be on a, on something like that or the balance between the two or... Like that it's too easy? Too easy because you've got the rule? That rules all, all others. Right? I think. I think. Yeah. The, like, there's there's some tension there in some ways where where you know I I know I know the Bible, so that means I have the answer for everything. Um, while at the same time saying I have to I have to have carefully studied everything to be able to actually speak. You know authoritatively from the word on this i, I guess kind of well, I, I think what maybe you're after is is there are great questions right the, yep. the liberal arts are great questions how shall i live what is the highest good you, know, you can go through all of them and there are these answers in the bible but also that extra nose idea like mm-hmm. autonomous reason cannot get you anywhere but my reason is faulty right right so you need you need a standard, right? And and I, I don't think it's on accident that John uses the word logos to describe right. Jesus Christ, right? right? And so there is it is easy in a certain sense, right? And and you can think of how many people, very smart, educated, lifelong learners, that end up being miserable, right? Because the more you you know, the more you know you don't don't know but the more you question right and if you question everything that is a recipe for a pretty miserable miserable life right Right. there has to be there has to be the reference point right and so i I think that's one way the scriptures is Mm -hmm. going to do that just from a not not just like well do i leave a baby out on the rocks that i don't want or do you know like these moral questions uh like a like a guide but just the very fact that there's something outside of you that 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 will give you a reference point, right? And and the thing about Christianity, of course, is this outside thing loves you, right? Which is I, I'm I'm hoping that we can get to. We only have a few minutes left, but like we haven't talked about like the so much that we've mentioned the joy of learning, but the joy of enjoying this world, flourishing, beauty and love that these things are wrapped up in i mean we think about philosophers like kant and stuff you know, think about love you know but but the ancients did right right and maybe there is without getting too much into virtue ethics although it's there 
I mean, there are these big things that are beyond just learning. I'm getting very close to Jason again, but I think partly what maybe he means, and I think it's a good question, is that there's not giving the impression that the scriptures are like chicken soup for the soul so that you so that these other questions don't matter it, not like a cheat code that I get out of considering these things um, because I, I think we all learned in the parish and our students learn when they get out in life in general our WLC students that there's questions that maybe don't seem as big when you're a 20 year old with your Bible but you read Job when you're Forty and it hits different than when you're 19. I'm so balancing that out, and I just think to our MLC days where, um, <clears throat> and Dave mentioned it, some maybe getting more into things. We got a lot more theology at some than at MLC, and I think there was a wisdom in that because we did in Greek, we did in Latin. We we didn't just start with Koine. We read classical authors. We, you know, Homer. You wrestled with that. And then went into the Gospel of John in college still, and you get logos. And maybe that hits different when you balance those. Yeah, I think um, this might be a little different. I'm, I'm going off of what you started with. Um, I think there's, it goes to the, the difference between having the right answer and being able to communicate that, right? So that's where, that's where knowing how to communicate that with someone who's coming from a different worldview, that you need to learn that too, right? You don't... By the way, I love cheat codes in in, <laughs> right. uh, in video games. So yeah, I mean, what a wonderful blessing that we have the right answer, but that doesn't yep. mean that you've necessarily, you're able to communicate it, which is why I think it goes back to, you said we have professors that have been out in ministry for, you know, most of them at least 10 years, right? Um, because I didn't love being a pastor when I was at seminary. I, I only <laughs> loved being a pastor when I was a pastor, right? right yep. um, and, and I had, it, it was a learning curve for me to be able to, to figure out how to communicate these things, which meant I need to figure out where they're coming from too, and I need to constantly be learning um, what, what's out there, right, in, in the world. And we, we've said this a million times that like when our, or at least I have, when this, you know, when I got ruts in, 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 in preaching, it wasn't just because I didn't do my text study, it was because I hadn't read, read widely recently, right? And I don't even know how to read widely or know where to go unless I had that liberal arts education, mm -hmm. right? So, yeah. yeah. Um, maybe we could go around and, unless somebody else has another point, we can go around and say, okay, change higher education really quick. What are the, you know, I know we mentioned a few things, but what would you change, like one big thing? Jason, you want to go first? You got something? Um, <coughs> yeah, I'd, I was <laughs> I was kind of thinking about something uh, before, and uh, let me just see if I can pull it back quick. Um, the... I think um, it would maybe be more, and and this is kind of touched on um, that idea of uh, the the education that it would. It's kind of odd, but to say like again the educational element in some ways, which on the one hand is very helpful, right? Because we're not necessarily trained as you know um, to be teachers in that sense but but you know in some ways how how you would um conduct your class with the material um just wants to be under a tree with like long right hair yeah, yeah exactly like, <laughs> whatever man yeah, be a great yeah. Look for <laughs> yeah i was thinking about drawing it out you know um but i think j just as helpful as that is and as important as that is you know in education nowadays uh, it's in some ways um you know, especially at least in 
the teaching of theology, I think, especially challenging, you know, yeah. when you're, when you're wrestling with some of those specific objectives and, um, uh, assessments. And I know that's been kind of touched on before, but I think that's kind of the, the direction that I was thinking. Um, so sorry for repeating some of that, but you got something. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what to do about it. I, I just, but the, the cost of education is, mm. is such a burden. And, uh, <laughs> and you know, like I know that our institutions are, are fiscally responsible, you know, like, uh, I have confidence in that from, you know, now being a part of it. And, um, and you just wish there was a way to to not pass that on to the student, right? Uh, that there were at, at different times that, um, you know, as a whether it was as a synod or um, from donors that they were able to to um, carry more of the load, you know, for that. And thankfully, like uh, the at, at MLC, you know, that uh, student debt is going down, but there still is is student debt um, for many of the the students there. So I, I don't have an answer for that. I, I in fact, I mean, there. People wiser than me that are, are trying to work on that, and and so, to note that you know the three college conference Lutheran College Conference is not being hosted in Hawaii, no, right? Um, so good. So your advocate for Bernie and Hillary about uh, <laughs> education, that's great. Uh, you can email him at wlc.edu for his political stance. Uh, you know where I'm going to go. I'm like everybody's got to take philosophy 101, right? And and teach it in a way like you just start with Socrates and then if you get to something else, maybe, you know what I mean? <laughs> That's on my, I mean, you know what I mean? Like just speak, like, speaking my language, like yeah. what you just did, I, I think it would be engaging for, for any, you know, I'd love to do it every freshman, but freshmen are by definition idiots. So, <laughs> you know, what are you going to do? It's, 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 so I teach seniors in high school and then freshmen in college. And sometimes I have in freshman college, I have the same students from the, the senior the year before. Is that right? And it's like there's just something about like a school culture being a senior and a freshman. They get dumber. <laughs> <laughs> they get dumber from being a senior in high school to a freshman <laughs> in college. There's something about the name, right? So that's, that's yep. another thing I would change too. Like uh, put freshmen in charge of stuff and so that they would have confidence and not be such dolts. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so I, I'll go back to mine uh, and I'll tie it in with what I was going to say about the, the financial part. Um, so instilling that love of learning earlier, uh, we have a colleague uh, that likes to joke that college kids are the only consumers who want less for their money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah, if they could yeah, get out yeah. of all homework, all yeah. reading, you know, that, yep. that, that, and, I, and I think, boy, wouldn't that be a blessing if, yes, we can make it more affordable, um, but then also instill that love of learning so that, you know what, they rip us off when they, when they get out of college because they've learned so much. Which is <laughs> an interesting question because, you know, kind of Greek, but even like in, you, know, you read, we, we teach the Luther class, and so you, you get into some of the details about like people sign up for a specific course. They don't want to take that. They are the consumers here, mm-hmm. right? And that, that gets played out in our day with better food, better dorms, that kind of stuff. But if, if they had that mindset of, no, I'm paying you to be my tutor. You better get me from point A to point B. Otherwise, I'm going somewhere else. Uh, Wade's going to love this. That's that's how capitalism works. And that's, you know, and <laughs> competition and stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> so that's all good. Um, I'm ready to, to close this down. But if you guys have any other thoughts, anybody go around and, and see if you have any thoughts. My, Last my, thoughts my thought is thank you for having us on this podcast. Yeah. Wade has a thought. Hold on. He's typing it. I think one thing while we're waiting is um, if people 
want to find out more about MLC, where, where do they go to find that? How can, they, how can they learn more about this? Our website is mlc-wells.edu. And, uh, and I certainly would, yeah, uh, especially like uh, your pastors and, and the congregations that you're a part of, um, you know, when I speak about, you know, uh, uh, financial hardships or things like that, I mean, it would be much worse without the support of, of the, the National Church Body of uh, the Wisconsin Synod. And, and so, and with uh, congregations that partner with the students from their sons and daughters of their congregation that are, are pursuing ministry and things like that, um, you know, I think that that's um, probably the greatest vehicle is, I mean, we have uh, in our own churches, in our own schools, uh, you know, people who have experienced, uh, you know, what we're, we've been talking about, you know, here today, and I think that's probably the the best testimony to it. I mean, even outside of the, uh, once we close the podcast, we'll probably go back to talking about our experiences, you know, uh, at those schools and, uh, and just how formational, you know, they were you know, for us there too. So I think hearing those personal stories is probably even better, although there's lots of great information on the website and they do a great job. And um, if you're ever passing through New Ulm, stop in and see us. We'd love to give you a tour. Yeah, yeah. You can sit in on our classes. And and I would say, like, just as closing thoughts, um, you know, and, and whether this is something to change in uh, higher education or not, um, you know, I would say um, what I appreciate about the times, uh, you know, listening to your podcast is, well, for one, uh, Man, you guys sound a lot different on normal speed uh, than than double speed. <laughs> but uh, um, but also, um, you know, I think sh- demonstrating, um, you know, what what uh, you know, many called workers uh, are like that you guys are are gifted thinkers and speakers, and uh, and talented in uh, you know so many ways. And I think that there are a lot of times where there can be a perception about public ministry. Um, uh, that the best and brightest don't need to go, uh, you know, oh, into yeah. public ministry, and uh, and just think, uh, man, what a what a what better way to use the gifts that God has given you, uh, just purely out of His grace, uh, than to think about how you can uh, serve Him in whatever small way we can as a part of His kingdom, uh, you know, by uh, using the gifts that you guys are doing, you know, with this this podcast and in your ministries at WLC too. Yeah, I think uh, you know to close up, uh, you know, there's a there's a certain sense of God honoring us and precisely when we don't deserve it, that he's made us righteous, made us free, and given all of these things back to us, right? And that we can have the joy of learning and, and we don't have to be afraid of it. And we truly can enjoy this. And as a righteous person in Christ, that enjoyment is then given in vocations to other people. So thanks for listening. Until next time, let the bird fly. Another round, another round, one more round, won't get me down.